A critically important multi-institutional clinical trial is underway. It was launched in New York City and we've now reached out to 11 other sites all over the country so that no matter where the virus went, we would be there and we'd be ready. And the CTSI is part of it. The CTSI is all about translational research and science and participating in such trials is the hallmark of advancing science and research. All in the hopes of finding an effective treatment today. The premise is that plasma from patients who have recovered from COVID-19 has antibodies. And when these antibodies are passively transferred to patients who are sick with COVID-19, it will neutralize the virus and prevent further deterioration of the patient. And perhaps in the future. This trial is important not only for the current pandemic, but for future pandemics as well. Learn about the Contain COVID Convalescent Plasma Clinical Trial inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Bellmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Wisconsin, Freighter's Hospital, Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. A national clinical trial is underway to determine the efficacy of a treatment for COVID-19 patients. It's called Contain COVID, and it's managed by the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences, or NCATS, an arm of the National Institutes of Health. The Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin is participating by enrolling patients through Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin. Today, we're learning about the Contain COVID clinical trial and the role NCATS has in supporting this and other crucial medical research. For this, we go straight to the top. Dr. Chris Austin is the director of NCATS at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. We begin by having Dr. Austin share what the role of NCATS is. NCATS is the newest component of NIH, and we were started for a problem that I think all of us know about intuitively, which is that our ability to understand ourselves in health and disease has been absolutely transformed by the miracles of fundamental science funded by the NIH. But if we're realistic with ourselves, has our ability to care for disease and prevent disease been transformed in a similar way? The answer has to be no. And to the degree that improvements in health are based on advancements in our understanding of fundamental biology, we must then ask, Why has that happened? And that is the translational problem. NCATS was formed to solve that problem. 
new ways to develop diagnostics and therapeutics, new methods, new technologies, new paradigms that will transform going from a fundamental discovery to an intervention to communities so that we can get more treatments to more people more quickly. That's the special and transformational mission that NCATS has. As its leader, Dr. Austin says it's vital for NCATS to focus on all diseases in all areas of medicine in advancing the health of our nation. The problems that prevent drugs and devices and behavioral interventions from being developed and deployed are the same across every disease. And so if NCATS can solve these problems, it will have a catalytic effect on every institute, every center, every area of medical practice, solving common problems that are gonna affect everybody. But this commonality is also part of the reason why no one has worked on these same problems before. Part of the reason is that everybody else has their own particular part of the body. And so it wasn't anybody's job to worry about other parts of the body. It's what economists actually call the tragedy of the commons. These are problems that are everybody's problem in general and nobody's problem in particular, so it'll be solved them. Enter NCATS. NCATS is the family practitioner, if you will, of medical research. We look after the whole patient and all the diseases that affect the human family. A key component in helping NCATS carry out this mission is the Clinical and Translational Science Award, or CTSA, program. The CTSA program is an absolutely unique national resource. The mission of the CTSA program is really the mission on the clinical side of NCATS at large. And you have a very dynamic CTSA center there at MCW. He's referring to the entity that brings you this show, the CTSI, funded by a grant from NCATS through its CTSA program. Now, you all are focused on Southeast Wisconsin, but even the name of your CTSI is really evocative of this mission. It's not the Clinical Translational Science Institute of Milwaukee, it's of Southeast Wisconsin. And so what that tells you is that NCATS is devoted to this idea that health happens in communities, and so we need to translate to communities or else we have not done our job right. Biomedical research hasn't always done that, but we always try to remember that we report to the people who need us in the communities, and that's a very special part of our mission. And the CTSI is in good company. Because it is a reality that as special and wonderful as the CTSI at MCW is, imagine now 60 of those at many of the best academic health centers in the country. That is unstoppable. And that's why the CTSA program is so critical, not only to the NCATS mission, but to the national mission. And the COVID pandemic has illustrated that. We'll discover an example of this in a bit. A constant focus of NCATS and its CTSA-awarded institutions are clinical trials. Dr. Austin shares why clinical trials are key to advancing our nation's health and health care. Clinical trials are the way we as a society figure out what interventions work and which ones don't, which ones are safe and which ones are not. The only way we figure those out is in clinical trials. As the number of insights from fundamental research has increased, the number of potential drugs and devices has also increased. But our ability as a nation to evaluate those in people has not changed very much in the last 50 years. Which is why there exists an urgent need. To increase the efficiency 
and effectiveness and innovativeness of our clinical trial capacity as a nation to be able to test these potentially life-saving interventions in a way that will get them to people. However, this doesn't happen without encountering many significant challenges, not the least of which the time it can take. For a typical clinical trial, to go from the phase of apply for a grant, get a grant from the NIH, get your trial started, get all the patients you need, analyze your trial, report the results. How long does that take? The answer is frequently 10 years. And it takes 17 years for an intervention which is shown to be useful in a trial to get to all the people who need it. That's unacceptable. And a lot of the reasons are not scientific reasons. They're organizational reasons. They're operational reasons. But that was a problem that no one really worked on. No one, that is, until NCATS came along about 10 years ago. We are so devoted to this. We know if we can make clinical trials more innovative, more flexible, more efficient, more effective, we will unlock treatments which are stuck and otherwise will not get to patients. There could not possibly be a more important task in front of us. The CTSAs are the nation's transformative engine to change that. And he says it begins with first helping communities understand what clinical trials are and why they're so important. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what clinical trials are and why they're important. And if people don't understand why clinical trials are so important, they will not agree to be in them. If they will not agree to be in them, then we'll never figure out whether the treatments work or not. And the CTSAs, through their community engagement programs, among other things, are working with the community to help people understand what this whole process is, why it's an important thing to do. And so it's a community cultural issue every bit as much as a scientific and medical issue. But while the mission of NCATS and its CTSA entities remains the same, there's been need to pivot during the COVID-19 pandemic. The CTSA institutions, including yours, were right at the epicenter of COVID-19 and have been all the way through. As the research engine of the medical centers, we can't afford the kind of timelines and the lack of efficiency that sometimes takes place in the system. So how do we use the urgent need of the COVID pandemic to make the system work better? And that is not only important for COVID, but if we can make that happen, that will be a silver lining in this terrible pandemic. So, as of March 2020, about 90% of what NCATS does pivoted to COVID. Every program we have, we took these big guns that we've developed, including the CTSA program, and we pointed them at COVID. Dr. Austin tells us the CTSA programs played a major role in three key ways. First, they acted as a coordinating body, if you will, among all of these large academic health centers. In the early days of the pandemic, this was really important. No one really knew what the disease was. And so there was a lot of information exchange within the CTSA program. What happened? What did we learn? What worked well? What didn't? What do we want to keep doing? What do we never want to do again? We are now currently writing that up, and that will be published in a few months. Second is the development of something called the National COVID Cohort Collaborative, or N3C. All the work that we've done together as a collaborative allowed us to start this N3C and get it operational within a couple of months to ask the kinds of questions that we would have loved to have had when this started, like are men or women more effective? Are African-American patients or Hispanic patients more effective? What kind of drugs work? And we now have data from almost 3 million patients. About half a million of those are people that had COVID. And 
now that we've done it for COVID, we could do the same thing for hypertension, diabetes, or any other disorder. The CTSAs did that, and COVID made it possible. And third... The other thing the CTSAs did was to start very large nationwide clinical trials, two on convalescent plasma. And because we already had this national network in place, we were able to operationalize those much more quickly than usual. In fact, the CTSI of Southeast Wisconsin is participating in one of the COVID clinical trials involving convalescent plasma. Dr. Gilbert White is Executive Vice President for Research at Versity Blood Research Institute. Plasma is the liquid part of blood. So you have cells and you have liquid that carry the cells, and plasma is proteins and salts. And one of the proteins that's present in blood are antibodies that we make to various things. When you obtain plasma from an individual, you obtain those antibodies as well as other proteins and materials. Convalescent plasma is plasma from an individual who has recovered from an illness. In this case, it's an individual who's recovered from COVID-19. And he shares how and why convalescent plasma is being used. There's a lot of evidence that antibodies transferred from an individual who's recovered from an illness can affect the course of another person who has that illness. These antibodies can be effective in recipients, so it makes sense to try this because of previous experience with convalescent plasma and other viral illnesses. It was on the fast track by the FDA, and to be sure that it's having some effect is going to take further observation. You can learn more about convalescent plasma by listening to episode number 74 of our show. Back at NCATS, Dr. Austin tells us convalescent plasma is indeed undergoing further testing. There were two trials that started way back in April through the CTSAs, but they were relatively small trials. And we reached the point where there was evidence that convalescent plasma was safe and maybe effective, but maybe not. So we got to have big, robust clinical trials to tell us, does convalescent plasma work in helping people with COVID-19 get better? And if so, who are they? Is it early in their disease, late in their disease, mild COVID, severe COVID? That's what you have to know in order to treat people. And you need a very large clinical trial design that will allow us to answer these kinds of questions. So the CTSAs were called on to do that. And that's when MCW got involved. He tells us where the contained COVID clinical trial started and how participation has spread. We're recruiting 1,000 people for contain. This was launched in New York City in April at NYU and Einstein. We've now reached out to 11 other CTSA sites, including MCW, Montefiore, Yale, the University of Texas at Houston, Miami, Johns Hopkins, University of Iowa, University of Michigan, Oregon, Chicago. So you can see it's all over the country. So that no matter where the virus went, we would be there and we'd be ready. When invited to participate, the CTSI and MCW did not hesitate. It was in mid-October. And I'm sure you remember what was going on in Wisconsin in mid-October. The numbers continued to skyrocket in Wisconsin. So I called and I said, would you please consider joining this trial in typical MCW fashion? Absolutely. We're going to get on this tomorrow. And did. Given how long it takes to get a clinical trial started at any site, MCW has been wonderful. So it's a very large trial, and that's the trial that MCW is involved in. With so many COVID cases across our country, 
Getting patients enrolled in the trial is going well. The number's a little north of 700 of the 1,000. Among them, many members of underrepresented minority populations, which is critically important. Health disparities have been a problem in this country for as long as this country has been a country. And if you look at who has been affected by COVID, those numbers are much higher in both cases and deaths in minority populations. And so it was really critical that these clinical trials represent the community of patients who are getting sick with the disorder. And I must tell you that MCW is ideally suited for this. You're a very diverse community. And when I look at the demographics of the contained trials so far, it's right on target. Dr. Austin has high hopes for the impact contained COVID could have. Because as he sees it, especially at a time like this, having the CTSI in our community is a good thing. A really good thing. Your listeners need to know what a jewel CTSI is. And they may not know that it's in their midst. This would never have happened without the CTSI and without the dynamic leadership at Medical College of Wisconsin. I could say this because I've been there. Not only is innovative work going on in that region, which would otherwise not happen, but through the vehicle of the CTSI, you are connected with the best people in the country and the world doing cutting-edge medical research to prevent and treat disease. And I'm fortunate as an NCAS director to have you as a partner. So now... Let's learn more specifically about the CTSI's participation in the contained COVID clinical trial in our community. For this, we reached out to Dr. Rahul Nanshal, Professor, Department of Medicine, Division of Pulmonary Medicine, and Co-Principal Investigator of the Contained COVID Convalescent Plasma Trial at Freydert and the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Nanshal tells us exactly how and where this clinical trial is happening in our community. The contained COVID clinical trial is testing convalescent plasma that is obtained from people who have recovered from COVID-19, coronavirus 2 infection, in patients who are hospitalized with COVID. And a unique aspect of this trial is that, you know, this is actually a collaborative between the Medical College of Wisconsin and Aurora St. Luke's, the Medical College of Wisconsin being the primary hub for the study. And he reiterates for us the primary purpose of this clinical trial. The premise is that plasma from patients who have recovered from COVID-19 has antibodies, and when these antibodies are passively transferred to patients who are sick with COVID-19, it will neutralize the virus and prevent further deterioration of the patient and or result in clinical improvement. The primary objective of this trial is to evaluate the efficacy of convalescent plasma to prevent worsening respiratory status or death in hospitalized patients with COVID-19. There are secondary purposes for this trial as well. Such as to determine the rates and levels and duration of positivity of nasopharyngeal swabs for COVID-19 and to determine some of the serial antibody responses to COVID-19 infections. As far as who specifically can participate in the contained COVID clinical trial... It's enrolling patients hospitalized with COVID-19 infection within three days of presentation to the hospital or within three to seven days of symptom onset. Severity of illness is rated on an 11.0 to 10 WHO ordinal scale. So we are looking at hospitalized patients with respiratory failure and those who are on oxygen or non-invasive ventilation. There are other inclusion criteria. Some of the inclusion 
inclusion criteria are they have confirmed evidence, which is a nasopharyngeal swab or lab-confirmed evidence of COVID-19. They need to be more than 18 years of age. They need to have either cough or chest pain or shortness of breath or fever or an abnormal chest X-ray or CT scan. These are all indicative that the patient's symptomatic from the COVID-19 infection and thus are requiring hospitalization. And there are exclusion criteria as well. Some of the exclusion criteria, if you've received immunoglobulin in the past 30 days, since this is a blood product, if there's a contraindication to a transfusion or a history of prior reaction to blood products, we are excluding the really, really, really sick people who are on invasive mechanical ventilation or if there is volume overload from congestive heart failure or renal failure. And obviously, we don't want to include people who have really poor prognosis. So if patients are unlikely to survive past 72 hours from screening, it is unlikely that we will be able to assess and follow their outcome due to poor functional status. Of course, not every COVID-19 patient who is hospitalized and meets inclusion criteria will be included in the clinical trial. Patients are free not to participate in the study. Those who meet eligibility criteria will be approached for consent, and it's up to them to opt in or opt out of the study. And of course, there is no penalty for opting out of the study. And if patients opt out of the study, the good thing is that convalescent plasma has an emergency use authorization by the FDA. They can still receive convalescent plasma if their treating physician deems that is something that would benefit them. For patients who do opt in, how is participation in this clinical trial different from routine medical care? A clinical trial such as this tests one particular therapy. So the rest of the medical care means the same. So for a person participating in the trial, any other treatment that you would do for a general COVID patient would be exactly the same. The only difference is that they consent to participate in the trial and receive convalescent plasma. How many patients are hoped to be enrolled in our community? At MCW, we are hoping to enroll at least 75 patients. We hope we'll enroll more, but you know the target is at least 75. When a COVID-19 patient opts in, their participation gets underway with a transfusion. Dr. Nanshal explains contained COVID is a randomized, controlled clinical trial. Which means that patients are either selected to receive treatment, which in this trial is convalescent plasma, or they're going to receive placebo, which in the study is sterile saline. Patients either get one to two units of plasma, and that is weight-based. Each unit of plasma is 250 cc, so the maximum they'll be getting is about 500 cc of plasma. And similarly, in the placebo arm, they're going to get between 250 cc to 500 cc of sterile saline. Is there a process for randomization? How is it determined who gets convalescent plasma and who gets the placebo? For this trial, we've developed a web-based response system. So you go on the interactive website and enter patient details and a number is generated. That number goes to the investigational pharmacy who then figure out whether that number is associated with saline or with convalescent plasma. And then we have 24 hours to infuse either the plasma or the saline. When a trial patient receives either plasma or saline, the infusion takes place in about an hour. Obviously, we are monitoring the patient for any adverse or allergic reactions to the plasma. A few of them may develop some transfusion reactions. Fortunately, most of them are very mild and infusions don't usually need to be stopped. You can just slow the rate and continue monitoring the patient while infusing the plasma. And there's additional testing a trial patient undergoes at this time. There are some labs and inflammatory markers and images and x-rays done just after the patient's randomized but before we actually infuse plasma or placebo. Then, for the next 14 days, patients have follow-up visits from research team members. What happens during these follow-ups? 
1 to 14, there are routine things like vital signs, physical exams, things of that nature. And there are other things that are done on specific days. For example, there are things done on days 1, 3, 7, and 14, or 1, 7, and 14, things like assessment of labs, serological testing, including antibodies to the virus. There are some serial nasopharyngeal swabs for the virus that are going to be obtained. And they'll be monitored closely to see whether or not their condition improves. They're going to get visits from the research team every day and we are going to document how the patient is doing and what is going on with them clinically and whether they're getting better based on the 11-point WHO ordinal scale, zero being no infection and 10 being death. We are going to evaluate all of those things daily or on specified days for the first 14 days as part of data collection for the trial. What if, during those first 14 days, a patient is released from the hospital? Do they remain in the trial as an outpatient? Yes, great question. So if they are discharged within 14 days, so say they get discharged on day 10, we collect two things. Disposition, which is, you know, home or other and other, maybe, you know, like a nursing home or things of that nature. And then we assess the clinical status based on the WHO ordinal scale. But they do remain in the trial. So we do follow-ups with a phone call or in-person follow-ups. Following the first 14 days, at what intervals do patients then have additional follow-ups as part of the trial? We follow them at day 28, day 60, and day 90 with the same things. So patients participate in the contained COVID clinical trial for a total of three months. Along the way, Dr. Nanshal says the research team is looking at patient data in two primary categories. They're looking at how they're doing clinically and they're collecting all of these laboratory values which probably gives you insight into the immunological status of the patient. So for example, at day 90, we're doing all of these clinical stuff, COVID-19 symptom screen, assessment of the clinical status, assessment of any new medical conditions, new medications, but we're also testing for antibodies. We're also looking at some lymphocyte subsets, cytokine panels. So we are looking at at inflammatory and immunological status as well as clinical status. So those are the two main buckets of things that we are looking at. Once all of the data from the contained COVID clinical trial is complete, it's hoped that it can be definitely determined whether administration of convalescent plasma, whether passive transfer of these antibodies to patients who have COVID-19 is efficacious in preventing progression of the disease and or leading to good outcomes. But either way, this is still vital, important clinical research, especially considering the impact it might have on future research. We are going to bank or store blood or plasma from these patients for future studies. And the future studies will answer important questions on antibody responses to the virus, which may inform future therapeutic development of vaccines or other interventions and help us in determining which are the best antibodies, which are the neutralizing antibodies, which are the non-neutralizing antibodies. So we'll get insight into a lot of the pathophysiology of the disease and a lot of what happens during the course of this disease from blood that is banked from these patients and studying that. Which is why Dr. Nanshal says it's vital for patients to agree to have their samples banked. It's incredibly important, although the patients can opt out of it, but just to gain more insight to knowledge and to contribute to science, it is incredibly important that people back their blood samples. Critical for patients to participate in contained COVID in the first place. Millions of patients have been affected. 
and it is likely that this will be going on for a little bit of time. But this is one of the very few therapies that we have that can actually make a difference. And getting an answer to whether this works or not is so incredibly important for the therapy of other patients. By participating in the trial, we are likely helping in the future development of therapeutics. And essential for the CTSI to conduct this research in our community. The CTSI is all about translational research and science, and participating in such trials is the hallmark of advancing science and research. Finally, you may be thinking, we have vaccines for COVID-19 now, so is convalescent plasma still needed as a treatment? Dr. Nanshal assures us it is. Many people may not take the vaccine and may get sick from the virus, and the virus is mutating anyway, so we don't know what the future holds in the efficacy of the vaccine once we have mutating strains. And so just because the vaccine is developed, it is unlikely that we have seen the last of COVID-19, and it is important to have an armamentarium of therapies so that we can best treat patients. And Dr. Austin from NCATS agrees. The vaccines are quite limited in their distribution so far, and it will be at least six months, if not longer, before everyone who wants the vaccine can get it. So there will be people who will get COVID in spite of the vaccine being around, no matter how effective it is. If we can demonstrate that convalescent plasma works for this disease, it's almost certain that those insights will be applicable in pandemics from other viruses that will happen. This is the history of human existence. So this trial is important not only for the current pandemic, but for future pandemics as well. More information on the Contained COVID clinical trial is available on our CTSI website, along with the podcast of this show. But for now, we're all out of time for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Our sincere thanks to today's guests, Dr. Chris Austin and Dr. Rahul Nanshal. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show, and I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month, so make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to the podcast of this or any of our shows on demand, visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir. Shakir.